So it's kind of cool. We're getting a little momentum getting mentioned here and there. Yeah, I think I think uh, metastasizing is more of the appropriate term. We're like a tumor. We're just, we're, yeah, we're just infecting we're, other people's coverage. <laughs> we're, we're growing in the loins of PHP. We're like, <laughs> we're like uh, testicular cancer of PHP. That's yeah. who we are. That's that's how I like to think of myself. It's just just a pox upon society. <laughs> This is Eric Van Johnson, and you're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 41, recorded December 16th, 2016. In this episode, Thomas and I talk about killing the password, private packagist, Laravel 5.5 requiring PHP 7, and Laravel collection partition method, and a lot, lot more. (laughs) So let's get started. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Not too bad. How you doing? All right, long time, no talk. I think we actually went an entire week without talking, without physically talking to each other. Yeah. I, I try to avoid refreshing. you as much as <laughs> I try to avoid you as much as I can on Slack. Well, we've we've got the uh, company party coming up, so yeah. we had to feel, give each other enough mental space for that. Is it me or is it feeling a little crowded in, in here today? I it can, is. I can take off. I don't I don't oh have to stick God. around. Holy <laughs> What is that? John got his mic working. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey John? John. Hey. Where have you been? What have you been up to? You must have loads of stories that will carry the show through its entirety for us because we don't have Sure, you guys you got you, you guys just hang up. I'll talk. I got this. <laughs> What's been going on, brother? Same old, same old. I hate complaining, but that's what I do best. Man, oh, man. I, how are the boys? Awesome. I mean, the kids are great. When they're no, no not yeah. the kids, the boys, uh, the other boys, yeah, they're, they're good too. Thanks for asking. <laughs> you have <laughs> you have an unusual uh, obsession with John's boys, there, Tom. Anything we need to know about? I I, I think we just nailed the title of this podcast: the boys, <laughs> the boys. How, how are the boys? I'm writing that one down. The boys, <laughs> the boys are back in town. Are they really back? If the yeah, never mind. <laughs> Yes. Nope. My, my my obsession is just that I have three children and John just had his second child and I want to make sure he doesn't have three children. <laughs> why do you just care? Three <laughs> is not I, manageable. Why it is, it, is insanity. Why is this your issue? He, it, he's been obsessed with it since I announced I was having a second kid. I've been, like, I've been obsessed with it since like, you had a first kid. He's like, you gotta get snipped. You gotta get snipped. Snipped. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, so I'm laying on the table just thinking of Tom like, Okay, it's finally done. That's he can, good. Of, he can get off of my back I, now. If I if I leave you with one I image, just, I'm glad it's that I, one. I have this horrible image now of John laying on the table somewhere with his junk hanging out thinking of Tom. This yeah, is, and not, not like a surgical I, table, just a, a kitchen no, table. He's, he's mad that it's not him I'm thinking of. I'm so scarred. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has spun out of control. Oh my god! Is that is that why you you're leaving us for Lara Chat? That's why I'm moving on. I'm announcing <laughs> I'm, I'm announcing it here today. This this will be our last uh, PHP Ugly. No, I would never leave uh, you guys. In short, welcome back, John. Welcome Thanks, back, John. <laughs> way, way to take the show straight to the gutter. Appreciate having you here. Let's. Uh, I would like to make it a regular thing. I really would. I just, you guys. I thought you could only get it done once. Um, Jeez. Focus, Thomas. <laughs> focus. Yeah. No, you can have a reverse and I guess re-reversed. 
Is that like feed into him? Is that like reverting and I'm then hurting, reverting the revert? I'm hurting cats here. Focus, people. What's hey, everybody uh, been up to? Oh, moving stuff. Moving. Move, getting the, the process of moving across the country. Well, it's not across the country. Across the state. Not even a quarter of the country, is it? <laughs> Wait, I moved across country. <laughs> getting ready for the uh, the process of barely moving at all. <laughs> yeah, but you you have two months now, right, to to pack up. So it's not like you're stressed needing to pack this weekend. No, we need to get a Christmas tree this weekend. A little late, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Very late. <laughs> so we're actually we're actually in the process of acquiring more things still. Uh, see, what you have to do is you just got to start packing up all your stuff and like shipping it to a local YMCA in, in Colorado. <laughs> and it'll just be there when you get there. <laughs> yeah, they'll hold on to it for a couple months. Yeah. They'll hold on to it for a couple of months trying to figure out who it belongs to, why it was shipped to them. You just show up there and say, hey, did you guys get some boxes for me? Anyone know whose cats these are? This is weird. <laughs> I didn't know you could ship cats. All right. Yeah, uh, working, working. I'm going to have to say, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep repeating it until I fix the problem. We talked about it a, a while back. I had started taking a very deep dive into Postgres, trying to get my head around Postgres, trying to figure out where it belongs in our environment, if it was actually a good solution or a replacement for MySQL. Some argue it is, some argue it isn't. I've got to tell you, from everything I've seen, I am struggling and really, really disliking Postgres. It is just different enough to make working with it hard for somebody who's not like a full-time database admin. I mean, just the simple things of understanding who owns a table and who has right permissions to a table and, and changing those around. And all my MySQL tools, I have I have a GUI interface that allows me to do it. I mean, of course, there's the command line that lets you do it as well, but I, I don't even know what that is anymore because I've, I've always used my, my GUI. I've ha- I have like six different Postgres GUIs now. None of them allow me to see who the users are or change the users of tables. It drives me mad. Biggest mistake we made was caving to another development group during a project and implementing Postgres. And we've been living with it now for about a year. And I think I'm going to make it my mission in 2017 to migrate off of the Postgres because it's just becoming a real thorn in my side. Yeah. I remember when I was a part of Orlando PHP, there were guys there that were big into Postgres and they they ran the local Postgres user group. And had I lived a little closer, I may have attended it to try and figure out why they loved it so much more. I guess from a, if you're a true DB admin, it's fantastic. But I agree with you that the times I've needed to use it, it's just a pain just because I don't know it as well. I know the... Well, I, th- I think it's more similar to, my, uh, to MSSQL too. So there's a feature set in there that MSSQL people are familiar with. No, I was more familiar with MSSQL than I was with Postgres. Yeah, I think I think Postgres is actually more is closer uh, related to Oracle. I think at least that's my understanding of all the enterprise DBs who have Oracle environments at work. Postgres is like how they learn to do things like their certifications and stuff because it's so similar to the Oracle database. Or used to be. That's annoying. And that's the thing, that, that the gap. That, so the big thing about Postgres, and I might have stated this last week, the big thing about Postgres in the past was that it was so much closer to 
a certain um, standard and compliance to the, the way databases were used and managed that I guess Oracle was defining at the time. But but that's just not true anymore. I mean, it's just the, the gap that MySQL has closed that gap so, so much that it just, there's just not a feature set in Postgres that really isn't there with MySQL. Yeah. You think we're we're low on stories this week. I heartily mm-hmm. disagree. Well, thanks to you. <laughs> I I have a lot of wonderful opinion pieces up here where I can just rant for hours and hours. Yeah, let's try to avoid that. Damn it. I think you didn't even put these things in any sort of order, man. There's no flow no. here. There's no, no flow nothing. here at all. See, what are we going to talk about? What are we talking about? What do you want to talk about, Thomas? Well... This is your world today. It's it's the I, Thomas Wrightout show. I think we start with the the usual Laravel news stuff that we like to cover. Okay. Um, Bef- before we get into the news, have you noticed we, we're popping up more and more on on blogs and streams? And uh, Cal Evans reached out to us and asked to add us to the PHP podcast blog that he has going. Of course, yeah. I said yes. It's like yeah, why 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 are you even asking? Of course. Put us on there. Uh, somebody else in Slack today pointed out that, uh, well, for a long time, phpdeveloper.org has been blogging about our shows. You know, every time we, we do a release, he he's out there. That's, I yep. mean, the guy that runs that, that site is fantastic. We probably get 98% of our stories from his feed. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, the, if, if it happens in PHP, that guy, that guy has an article, article about it. And then somebody pointed out in Slack today, there's another a newsletter that goes out that I wasn't even aware of called PHP Weekly, and we've been mentioned in there. Uh, I know la- the last uh, newsletter we were mentioned in there, and I think we might have been mentioned in there before. So it's kind of cool. We're getting a little momentum getting mentioned here and there. Yeah, I think I think uh, metastasizing is more of the appropriate term. We're like a tumor. We're just, we're, yeah, we're just infecting we're, other people's coverage. <laughs> we we're growing in the loins of PHP. <laughs> We're like we're like uh, testicular cancer of PHP. That's yeah. who we are. Oh. That's that's how I like to think of myself. It's just just a pox upon society. <laughs> so what do you got for us today, Thomas? Well, I want to talk about Laravel for a minute. I want to talk about my favorite favorite thing about Laravel. Okay. I've I've been thinking about it for a while, and <clears throat> I think the more I use it, the more I find collections to be one of the most invaluable things about Laravel. Collections, I struggled so hard getting my head around collections, and when I when I initially came to the started using the Laravel framework, understanding when something was returning as a collection and understanding when something was returning as an array was such a struggle. And I can never see at the beginning, I never saw the benefit of the collection. It's like, just stop this collection crap. Just give me a freaking array because I need to work with the data. Now I absolutely love collections. That's all I want. It's like, don't, don't give me yeah. arrays. I don't, I don't even want, I don't want arrays anymore. Just always give me collections, you know? It, it really is the extension to arrays. I, I would prefer not to use arrays at all anymore. Um, you know, given the performance issue that could occur from small use cases but 
for the most of the time, when I'm dealing with data, I'm dealing with it as a collection. And, and you can even take an array and just pass it to collect, and it will return a collection of that array for you. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like the missing piece of the PHP puzzle when you, when you get used to it. Um, and, and with that said, uh, the, the big news is 5.3 is going to include a collection partition method. Yeah, I and, read this article, and as big of a fan as I am on with collections, I'm struggling to see r- really good use cases for this. To me, this is incredible. This is this is the best. This is a game changer for you. Totally, I will be using this immediately. Right, ex- g- um, give me a use case. Well, polymorphic for one. I mean, so let me let me quickly explain what it does. Um, with collections, you start, yeah. you had filters, so you could. You could pass in a closure and anything that matched the closure, anytime the closure returned true, that item would be uh, kept in the collection and anything else would be dropped from the collection. Well, now you you can use partition instead of filter. And what a partition is going to do is anything that matches goes into one collection and anything that doesn't match goes into another collection and it returns a collection of two collections. So... So, so I get that. I, I understand that functionality. I, I guess, so I have two questions. One, can you partition it more than once? Which I, I think looking at it... I, Still collections. I, I was, it, just, it just returns collections. So right. you can partition it indefinitely. And then the second thing is, I still don't see a real use case for this. So for me, I, I've way back in the day before PHP was as strong as it is now, I have written some amazing queries, some stuff that just did logic a query should never do. And I would I would get results from that query, and then I'd have to run almost the exact same query again to get a set of objects that were just different enough. Well, now with the partitions, I can fetch all of the users and then quickly split it up into two collections of users, one that's admins and one that's users. Or I can fetch... Yeah. I can fetch all the images hosted by the site and see which ones are books and which ones are magazines. Uh, But but I guess I still struggle to understand what's the purpose of keeping the partition, because what you're explaining to me, you can still do by collecting a full range of of, uh, of objects, you know, create a big collections and then create, mm-hmm. you know, uh, variables for the other collections, you know, magazines equals, you know, articles, filter magazine, or, or, you know, you, you can, you can still do that by putting them into their own variables. What's the benefit of keeping everything in like one master collection? Because with master collections, you can have complex logic. So you can actually break things down by their relationships as well. So let's say you do an an eager load on something that has an nth relationship. Well, now in in your collection, you can say, I want everything that is a rental in California that allows pets that is less than 2,000 a month or everything else. And so the everything else list you can use to just generate a count of records. So you can say you've filtered out this many of this, or there are uh, 10 homes that are available just $100 more than what you're asking. Or, you know, it, it gives you flexibility to do whatever you want in a lossless kind of way. You can You can filter without losing. So you don't necessarily have to use the elements that have failed the filter, 
you you can just count them or you can sum them up okay. or you can you know it seems, seems like a pretty far <sighs> edge case but you you make a you make a valid argument i i can see use cases for that well and and with all the the iteration tools that come with collections you can expand on stuff let's say you have polymorphics that only have a simple relationship and you have polymorphics that have a very complex relationship that you need to eager load in some way or you need to translate to a different language or stuff like that. You can break it apart so that you're only doing work on the half that needs attention. So once once you partition data, then you can for each loop over the one that needs attention and then you can merge the whole thing back into a single collection. So just lighten the load or you know, it, to me, this is this is not a complicated feature, but it's cool because it keeps collections in collections. It adds another, you know, n plus one to what collections can do. Okay, well, I'm gonna be interested to see what people do with it. Uh, like I said, you, you've you've called out some maybe edge cases, but valid use cases for it. So yeah, all it'll, I work with it. is edge cases now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting. Interesting to see how it's used in the future. That's like I'm still trying to. I'm, I still and what I keep coming back to when I look at that is Adam Raven's, uh refactoring to collections and where you you're creating collections of collections of collections and it's kind of it seems real similar to to this. Um, so yeah, it it also ties into the whole concept of not using else. So let's say you had to partition things. Well, it's much better to have two for each loops than it is to have a for each if else loop. You can remove a hierarchical level there just mm-hmm. by partitioning it out. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not even it's it's good just for the logical splitting of elements that you would normally have a switch statement for or something like that. Mm-hmm. Taylor tweeted out something interesting about Laravel five five. So he's working on five four. Five four is probably going to be released. I think. I think the new release cycle would have it get released in January during uh, Laracon, yeah. Well, no, Laracon is until July, so so there there are two releases a year. I think I think it's January and July is what he's doing now. We need we wrong. need his phone number. We need to be able to call him. You think what he, he should what he is should be deal? fine with that? Yeah, he should be okay with that. I think. Yeah, uh, he seems sure. <laughs> seems like he doesn't mind being interrupted. Yeah, I'm sure. But he did make an interesting tweet about Laravel five five that you uh, added to the Trello board. And he said that uh, it's going to be released in July 2017, which is will be Laracon US, and it's going to require PHP 7 or greater. I, do I honestly too, don't, too, too soon? I don't know. I, this, this challenges everything about how I feel about PHP 7 or PHP versioning. I, I, I'm angry at myself for not knowing how to feel about this. <laughs> I'm curious about what uh what features he's planning on adding that's dependent on PHP seven? My guess would be strong typing. Oh, you're you're probably absolutely right. I God yeah. I don't even know why I didn't even think about that. I mean it, Laravel is almost the perfect use case for strong typing in PHP. Yeah, I it's think fra- right. frameworks are why strong typing is going to be powerful. Um mm-hmm. but boy, you know, I I am on board with the whole force everyone to upgrade. Don't let people squander in ancient versions. Um, shared hosting is the worst thing in the world. You know, why are you running five, six when you can just spend 10 hours to get up to seven and get a free 80% increase in performance or whatever it might be. I, I hate it when I see a system running something old 
and and I I even consider five six to be old at this point now that seven has been out for almost a year at this point. Yeah, but man, it's easy to say, but man, it's hard staying up to date with everything. Yeah, I mean that's you're the t- thing. You're talking about in in the ideal scenario, you're staying up to date now with a Laravel platform that has a pretty free, frequent release cycle, uh, a PHP platform which is gotten a couple pretty good releases within the last year uh and then if you want to continue down the stack your nginx or your apache your mysql your your os i mean you're elixir with node yeah you're talking about a lot of patching like non-stop i mean it's just this and it's not even that it's that difficult to do it's just all the testing that's involved with it. It's just, uh, yeah, and it's uh, fine for a company that provides one service. But if you're a a contract developer like Diego Dev is, and you've got to maintain twenty sites, now you've got twenty times the job every time there's an upgrade. And and I feel I feel the pain there, but I I don't think I did until this tweet came out. I think when he said requiring seven plus, I just I thought to myself. Oh God, that's that's so cruel. That's so mean. But you you know, I have always at the same time made the argument that yeah, you cannot let the the slow part of the community limit the growth of the fast part of the community. And with with what Seven provides with strong typing and performance and all that stuff, it's a, it's the correct move in my book. Um, he's he's moving the community forward and forcing people to do the right thing, which I think is in the long run good for the community. But I definitely feel I felt the pain when I saw the announcement. I felt I know people running five five and five six and five four, unfortunately. And it just yeah, it, it stung a little when I saw it. Yeah. I mean I think you're right. first off, if you're using the Laravel framework, you kind of know going into it that he that framework stays pretty cutting edge. Not bleeding edge, but cutting edge. It stays right there at the at the forefront of the new solutions. So not sub- completely surprised. I, I would have liked to have seen another version squeak by with a 5.6 install. Maybe go to 7 in, in Laravel 5.6, but... Uh, well, what can you do? Well, and and maybe maybe even a major revision number. Maybe calling Laravel five five is is my problem. Maybe this should be Laravel six if you're going to bump the requirement up to a different, a fully different version of PHP. Yeah, there's some there's some validity to that statement. I I agree with you. Yeah. Well, there's some other interesting news in our PHP world. Yeah, I love this. I'm excited. Mm. So we've um, all speaking of growing accustomed to new ways of doing things. We've all become very accustomed to Composer and uh, 95% of the, probably more than that, 99% of the usage of Composer, people go through a site called uh, Packagist, and uh, that's always been open to the public. Um, the packages that are up there has all, have always been packages freely available. Um, if you were a company that wanted to leverage Composer but didn't want to make your packages available to the general public through a, a, a repo distribution system like Packagist, uh, your options were not exactly limited but weren't exactly easy either. Um, you could tie your Composer directly to a Git repo, which was Oh, that's, that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's it horrible. Was, it was yucky. There were a couple of 
private package management systems out there that Composer could tie into, but they were very minimal. Again, you had to deploy them, you had to maintain them, and you know it just wasn't the ideal solution. But yeah, if you if you had remote employees, you would have to set up VPNs for people to access them and and get your operations team involved in the whole process. But the the people uh, at Package, packagist. How, am I saying that correctly? Packagist. Packagist have come up with a solution, haven't they? Yes, they have. Private packagist. Private. It's um, not cheap, man. You look at the pricing of that. Boy, it ain't cheap. But if you consider specifically who they're appealing to, it, good point. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so with the service, I mean, even even the open service, they actually don't store the package on their servers. It's or they might cache them there, but they don't store the primary package there. It's still it's, no, it's not stored at all. So it still it still gets pulled from whatever repo it's in, whether it's GitHub or. Uh, GitLab, it's somewhere, and this is just a pointer to that. Has the credentials to pass it through. So, and this kind of works in the same way, right? I mean, these are just pointers and permissions, right? It's it's just a, a version control system for packages on GitHub or on uh, GitLabs or Bitbucket. Bitbucket. Um, so it it just it just acts as a repository for where other repositories are stored, as well as tracking some version information and doing dependency comparison stuff for you. But because what they store is is these compact hashes, then it's very fast because you can compare the hash of what package you have to the hash that's being stored on Packagist versus if you're using the the inline Git repository system, uh, it has to pull the entire package to compare the hash. So every time you do a composer update or a composer install, it's going to pull the whole package again. Um, and, and it's hosted remotely. It's all hosted on their network. Now, they, it appears that they have a tool as well, that this this whole thing comes with just a tool that you run on your hosting provider, however you're hosting it, and it does all the work. So it, it'll look at what is available, what the versioning stuff is. It's it's a minimal to set up, from what I can tell, situation. Yeah, I think that was their big goal, is to make it very easy to implement. And it sounds like they might have accomplished that. Yeah. And, you know, if you're running an open source package, guess what? Packagist is still free. You have right. no reason to use a service like this because you've got nothing to hide. You want everything out in, in the open. Um, yeah, that, that that's an important uh, thing to state is it's not going anywhere and you don't have to use one or the other. You can use both. Uh, yeah. it's, you're not, you know, it's not like if you want to go private, you only have the private repos available to you. So well, here's, here's how smart I am. I was looking at the pricing and it breaks down to uh, 50 bucks for a small team of up to three people and then uh, 200 bucks for eight people and then 14 bucks every month per user after that. I was looking at that and thinking, God, that's that's expensive. They really should have a tier that's free to open source projects. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. Packagist. Right. That's the tier that's free to open source the, projects. The .org domain is the free. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the the users though, what are the users? Are, are those that 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 was the one thing I didn't get my head around because if I if I if I tie into a private repo on my development machine that then has to get deployed to staging and then production, are those three separate users or how's that working? I you know what that's where I don't know at all. Um, I I think it ties into who you're logged into GitHub as. So. Uh. 
the the intention is just to restrict. I mean, my guess would be that if you have a production server that has a production user, then it takes up one of your user licenses. Mm. However, I'm also guessing that if you called them and said, well, this is my production user, it's not actually a user, they might remove that from the, the count of eight. Well, and what's with the limitation on users? I mean, I, I guess I really don't see the, the point of that. It's What's it matter? This is, this is per seat licensing, basically. This is something that Microsoft had mastered in extracting money from corporations long ago. Yeah, and but, I think it's smart for them to use it. But I'm, because I'm talking about the functionality. It's not like it's not like it's a per seat license for Office, where you know it 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 doesn't make sense that I'm using the Office application and four other people are using the same Office application. And they're only paying for one license. This is a remote service that you're not doing any – all you're doing – all it is is pointers, and all you're doing is, is pulling down what what is probably already your private repos. Sure. So why does it matter if it's one developer doing it or ten developers doing it? It's just a pass-through. It's, it's no – it's really – really be any extra load on them. I think it comes down to support and and to quality assurance. This is this is how they would sell it. Say what you're getting is the support and the QA. You're getting you're making sure that packagist is up when you need it. Uh, and you know, again, you don't have to use this. Uh, I'll even go so far as to say they don't care. Um, and I'll tell you why I say that. Torin proxy is one of the package systems out there that you can use to do cached, open source, stuff like that, and you have to maintain it. And Torin Proxy is the company that supports packages.org. Okay. So they're they're even shooting into their own foot with it a Would little. Would it not be a better pricing model to, to charge per repo you're tying into as opposed to per user? I'm not it, a businessman. It's, it's okay to agree with me. I know you don't like doing it. I mean, it. I can... I can tell you no. I can tell you this will make them more money, and the people making the buying decision on this don't that. care about how much money it is. I debate that. You I know, I, I work for a pretty big company, and we won't be using this because nothing to do with the cost. It's just because we have no use case for it. But in a large corporation that has a use case where this fits perfectly, then yeah, they'll jump on it. They won't I, care I, that I it disagree. costs six hundred dollars a month. I think you guys do have a use case for it. My my only point is. They would. I, I think they would make more money, and it would make more sense to have the licensing be per repo, per backend repo that it's tying into, not per users that are using it or, or whatever that well, means. Now, now, one of the tools that this comes with is synchronization to GitHub's user system so that you can control permissions for read, write, edit on your packages through their tool. Uh, again, so, again, just there per is repo, a user though. level granularity. But, but per repo. Well, yeah, but why does but why do you have to pay for Windows twice on a Windows server system? Why are I mean, you, you saying, know that's why the are you case, saying right? that? My, my point my point being if if you want to control users on three repos, you have to pay for three repos. It's that they, they they still make that money. The, I I don't understand. Yeah, the just user not as thing. much. I disagree. I, I think they can. I think it's the same as as something costing ninety nine ninety nine instead of a hundred dollars. Is they they could charge you seven hundred dollars per repo, but it's going to make them slightly more money. 
or it's going to seem cheaper if they say it's it's 200 per user plus additional users. It, it helps them scale to enterprise level, you know, because if, if you have to support uh, 100 users emailing you and saying packages isn't working, that's a different workload for you because people who are going to be accessing but, this but, aren't necessarily but, okay. with your company. Right, right there, though, if they say it's not working, it's going to be not working against a repo, not per, per an individual user. Well, so, imagine the imagine the Laravel service that lets you upgrade your Laravel package. What is that you, called? You, you love just not agreeing with me. Laravel Shift. Shift. So imagine if the tool set for Laravel Shift was on this system, and he was paying a flat two hundred dollar fee for that repo. Okay. And anytime you paid, anytime you paid for Shift, he gave you access to that repo and said, "Just pull this in and run the tool set." You're you're making things up now. No, you're you're making up scenarios. I mean, there can be terms yeah. and conditions and agreements that prevent that, but it's you're you're. If you want me to agree with you, I'm going to start making up scenarios. Okay, we should, to we disagree should probably with you. we should probably move <laughs> on to another story. I think we've beat this horse to hell. Beat I'm the right crap out of it. <laughs> All right, what, what do you want to talk about next? Oh boy, because none, none of these none of these interest me that much. To be honest with you, that's what? why I left them over there. The encryption one doesn't Did interest you. There's two, I, I, two, three encryption ones. I mean, only slight. I, I get very nervous. When I see things like, oh, yeah, don't worry about using SSL for encryption. Do it yourself. It's like, yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's almost like saying, yeah, no, ha- you know, encrypt passwords yourself. Don't worry about all right. using no, the fine. real if you're tools. Gonna bring it, if you're going to bring it up, if you're going to bring it up, the title of this article is Encrypt Form Data Without SSL in PHP. Right. I, I got I to oh be God, honest with you. It immediately starts as just the worst idea ever. Just the right? title screams... Just the title screams, oh my god, this is so stupid. Okay, so I I gotta be honest with you. Hold on. This is a terrible thing to say, and it might just be me. I don't know why this is. I'm gonna put it out there. I'm sure the people behind PHP classes work really, really hard at that site and those articles, and I hate to to slam it, and I'm not trying to slam it, but I I struggle trying to read articles on that site. Like I, it, it used to yeah, be what, terrible you, UX, right? Just it a used terrible to be one UX. of the sites that, w- that was in my regular rotation. And I just, I can't go to it anymore. I struggle with it. It's, it's a hard one for me to, so I saw the title. I, I, I clicked on it. I saw the site I went to. And I honestly, I just kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, I'll have to get back to this one later. and never did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So tell us about so, it. I mean, first off, Rule one, never roll your own encryption, for Christ's sake. Uh, <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> I think okay, this so one of those that we should all know. Yes. We, at least we're you know, on the same you know page how much, that one. Do you know how much more secure double DES is over single DES encryption? I do half. Not. Twice as secure? <laughs> it's, it's, no, half as secure. Half as secure, yeah. Double, single, yeah, right. Makes right, sense. because because there's a flaw in DES encryption that gets exponentially pronounced when you double it, but when you triple it, it's completely removed. Okay. <laughs> so tri- so triple DES is three times more secure than than single DES, but double DES is half as secure. Crazy. Don't roll your own encryption. Oh my God, people, please. But this package for JavaScript came out called CryptoPost, and it's clever, which is sign number two that it's a terrible idea. <laughs> The Wait, idea here did you is say that Java, JavaScript is that what you just said? This this is a JavaScript package that ties with PHP. It's PHP and JavaScript. 
It wasn't so JavaScript what, in the title. Go ahead. Sorry. It, what you do? It's, it's in there. What you do is you send this JavaScript to the browser and you tell the browser, "Hey, here's my public key, my RSA public key. I want you to generate a AES private key and send it to me hashed with my public key so that I can read it. And then once I get that, I will use your public key to encrypt and decrypt all of our communication from now on. So, so they're it's, basically doing HTTPS, but via JavaScript. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's indicator number three that this is a terrible idea. <laughs> just use HTTPSL. I could easily see if, if there was a concern that the government was blocking HTTPS sites or something like that, but... Oh boy, the amount of security that you remove by deciding to do HTTPS over post, I can't fathom the reason. This is Okay, th- so this is first off, a- as an end user, this is a horrible idea because I mean I go to submit a I go submit a form. There's no way the browser tells me I it's a secure post, right? Correct. There's I mean, no right. indication that it's secure or that its security is maintained. So that's that's terrible. Uh let me ask this though. Is it doing anything to so if I if I have like the Google Tools uh, Inspector open and I'm I'm looking at the traffic or looking at the source code, is it encrypting any of that? It encrypts forms, so it'll iterate over inputs, encrypt the data in the inputs, and then send that. Hmm. Yeah, I would never ever replace HTTPS with this. If you wanted to add this as an additional layer, seems like nope. overkill. But nope, I don't know. You do not encrypt to encrypt. Do not double your encryption. That is that is asking for trouble. Well, well, because don't, I'm, don't I'm thinking about it. I'm, well, I'm thinking about it, though, because uh, wouldn't this logically encrypt from the actual client as opposed to HTTPS, which encrypts? Well, no, that's actually from the client. Do you, client do you trust? Well. Do you trust yeah. your clients? No, no, I don't. That's the problem. No, God, no, God, yeah. no. As soon as as soon as some browser extension realizes what's going on and decides to hijack all the super important encrypted data it has everything it needs because it's fucking javascript so all you need to do as a as a as a chrome plugin is just say oh that javascript pretend i ran it because extensions gain priority over execution on pages that's a good point so we agree this is a bad idea terrible terrible this is an idea that a comp sci student said hey wouldn't it be cool and then he did it And so yeah, it's it's notes? cool. It's cool. Because <laughs> I, I want to tell people, for God's sake, don't do this. This yeah. is terrible. But, but by spreading this link around, people are going to see it and say, oh, what? this is cool. I should do it. The link will not be in the show notes. <laughs> it's already there, buddy. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Hey, what's this? What's this PHP PDS skeleton? We're, we're at 47 minutes here. How do you feel about the fig? Oh, that's right. This is a Paul Jones thing, isn't it? This is part of Paul Jones's group. Uh, oh boy, I can't remember what they call themselves now. The PHP Sane Distribution or Distribution Sanity PHP Datasets. You're so close, not even. PHP Datasets. So I like I like this project because this project was crowdsourced. I'm sorry. So you know how you know how when you pull a package out of Composer, it's got the source, the tests, and the vendor directory, the docs, the bin, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yes. What this is, is just a standard 
from this new standards group that says, hey, when you're making a package, here's how you organize your structure of your package if you're intending to, to redistribute it. You've got okay. a bin directory, config, docs, public, source, tests, vendor, change log, contributing guidelines, licensing, and a readme. That's what a good package has. All right. So another standards um, group trying to trying to define how we should be doing things. I'm not opposed to it. I'll see if it takes off. I'm I'm not opposed to it at all. In fact, in this case, I'm for it because the way that this list was generated was by by scraping GitHub and seeing how published packages were already formatted. Hmm. So they just had a, a script that they called a, a skeleton research mm-hmm. that just ran through the existing PHP ecosystem and looked at what people were already doing and then made sane decisions on keeping that. I say in like the majority one or what now was it electoral right. votes or were the actual votes? I just popular vote. Yeah, was the popular uh, we won't vote know. or the electoral? We won't know until Monday. Okay. We were just talking about what a what a terrible idea trying to roll your own encryption was, and the next card worries me a little bit as well. I don't trust you. You you are a, a clickbaity linking individual. You know that, right? I am. You should you should speak to somebody about it. You've got I actually read this. I speak to dozens of people about it weekly. I actually read this article and <laughs> don't fully disagree with it. Let's kill I, the I don't password. Fully. Let's kill the password, magic login links to the rest so of you. I, I, th- I thought about creating a, a service for this, but Google already does it. And I love their their uh, second authentication where they say, hey, are you trying to log in here? I think it's a matter of time before they do this. And you already have the app on your phone and they're going to tie it all together. Well, hey, actually, are you trying to log into the service? Yes. I, I think Slack well, John, does this what is well. it? What is it? Well, this article is more about killing passwords, meaning you don't log in. All you do is you go to the site, you give them your email address, they email you a link, or they text you a, a link to log in, and then you're you're there. You don't have to remember a password anymore. Everything goes back to protecting your, your email. <laughs> have yeah. you guys ever heard of a service called Pushbullet? Yeah, yep. I use Pushbullet. So push Pushbullet is like the uh, grunt notifications on macOS except that you log into it on any device you want to, and when you get a push to your Pushbullet account, all your devices get a little grunt right. notification. Actually, Authy works once. the same way. There's no password for Authy. When you want to actually log into Authy from a new device, you have to initiate a request that then creates a session on existing Authy devices that allow you to accept it or, or, or decline it. So it's it's like that. Like I said, Slack does the same thing. When you go to log into Slack in the browser or even on your device, on your phone, or through the application, it'll send you a quote-unquote magic link in, in your email. And without you even having to type in a password, you click on the, the link and then it, it creates a session for you. So this is a one time password link. Yeah, this isn't unheard of. I'm just no, wondering. No, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same tech behind all the reset password functionality that exists on every website right now. Right. It's, it seems like this is something it. that if it gets massively adopted, could go horribly wrong by people not knowing what they're doing. Not realizing that these past these links can only be short lived. They should only be created when when requested and then immediately destroyed. 
even if they're not used within you know five, ten, fifteen minutes. I think this has already been implemented widespread on the internet, and people just haven't realized it because it's not using email; it's using Facebook. I, I have like plenty of websites. I, I have plenty of websites for which I don't have a login for the website. I have a a, a linked to Facebook or linked to GitHub button, and when I click it, it well, that, checks for a GitHub OAuth. session. That's OAuth, though. That's different, right? Yeah, and that's, that's what it's still the same. It's similar. It's different, but it's the same. It's it's having a secure token passed to a trusted service and then passed back to create a session. Right. I I, I think but, I but, think but, trying to use this, this, email. You, you don't have a trusted service. I mean, there's nothing trusted. You're, Google you're, or, or your email server. Yeah, email. Your email server mm. is the trusted service in this case. Well, no, the email server server is just the method of delivery. You're creating the link and sending it to them. Right, but it's still essentially OAuth. It's still creating a signed no, token. It's not, it's not essentially OAuth. It's not even close to essentially OAuth. But, I, I mean, I, I get what you're trying to say, but I guess what I'm saying is OAuth is completely different in the sense that there's there's a trust established between a known um, authentication provider and a service that wants to allow you to authenticate using that known authentication provider. This is not that. This is you you saying, okay, you want to log into my site. I'm just going to send you a, a, a special magic uh, a URL to you for you to log in. So, you know. Log in through the click by clicking on that link. I mean, let's, stop the magic, let's stop calling it a magic link. It's just a one-time password. It's That's not better, magic. Better, yeah, one-time password. Yeah, yeah. I, I still but think OAuth, OAuth is a one-time password in the. No, it's not. <laughs> it, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't generate. There's. It doesn't. And it. It. The. The. The, the point being is that. OAuth has has standards around the way it's implemented and managed, and so I can't. I, I guess my my point being is I can see lazy developers saying, "Okay, if John requests to log in, create this URL for him, store it in the database, and then whenever he wants to log in, all he has to do is click on that URL." And there's absolutely nothing right. That's what I'm saying. There's absolutely nothing preventing somebody from doing that, and you as the end user may never know that's been done. It, that's is a completely different flow than than OAuth. Um, so, where where I see the convenience, and this this is always the challenge you have: convenient with security, convenience over security, right? I mean, what 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 is better? And I can definitely see the convenience for myself. What have we been saying since episode four or five? For myself, I don't know the passwords on just about all the sites I log into. I don't know them. I couldn't even, and I have a password manager that I use to manage them. And even if I open them up, 90% of the time, I type them in, in incorrectly because they're so freaking long. So it's, it's you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I get what they're doing. I understand what they're trying to accomplish. I get concerned about this being implemented and abused incorrectly. While we're on the subject of passwords, how do we get freaking sites to stop with the restrictions on your characters? Oh, the character, the it's character, crazy, oh, right? God. I, I, I was forced to change the password on the bank account today, and I had to try five different times because I was either getting character, uh, symbols that it didn't like, or I was trying a password that was too long. 
And it's like, why are you limiting me to 20 characters? Why can't I use a space? You know, <laughs> there's nothing technical about that. Yeah. Uh, we actually, I've, I've discussed that on a, a previous episode um, about the banking regulations requiring two-factor and having specific password policies mm-hmm. and it's dumb but yeah well basically the, the, we forced the ones that we forced them me, to do it the ones that frustrate me i just had this happen to me the other day are the are the the password fields that don't allow you to paste in them like you have to type yeah. i'm like oh my god you know i want to type in i want like a 35 character password don't make me type that in <laughs> right yeah all right, Thomas. So you have two nice. minutes. Doom and gloom. Knock it out. Doom and gloom. Dun, dun, dun. I'm glad, actually. I'm glad I have uh, both of you guys here. Can you open up this link not, right here? Real I'm quick? not touching any link after reading this article. Not from you. Not from anybody. You guys know what uh, ransomware is. I actually had a previous client that was All hit, hit by it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had two cases. I've had one bad case uh, for a client and uh, one not so bad, but. Oh, boy. So for those who don't know, what ransomware will do is uh, scrape your drive for any documentation, images, videos, and run a fast encryption on them. So if you get this virus, it encrypts everything, and then it installs a little pop-up notifier that says, hey, in case you haven't noticed, all your files are now broken. If you want to get them back, just send us one Bitcoin for $1,000, and we'll give you the key to unlock all your files. Which... Needless but, to say, it's a complete crappy way to make a living. And basically the worst. Yeah. And if if it happens to you, you feel like shit and it's terrible and you wish it never happened. But they have they, they seem to have been able to make it worse. Yeah, the, the client that this happened to for me last time was someone who had uh, a son, you know, young son, 12 years old with ALS, and all their medical records got ransomed. So they couldn't actually get the care that was required for their son who had incredibly important needs because all their medical stuff was gone. And it was asking them for $1,000 when every penny they have is spent keeping him going. Yeah, I mean, and just that's nightmare terrible. stuff. That's absolutely terrible. And, and you have whole companies that get, get locked out with this stuff. It's, it's just, it's an absolute, it's flat out robbery. It's absolutely a horrible thing to do. It's terrible. Yeah. But what if what if you can't raise the thousand dollars? I mean, what do you do? You just you're just out. And so is the ransomware group or person. They're they're not gonna make money on someone who just doesn't have money. So what do you do? Well the solution in this newest version is to get that person to infect two other people on purpose. So you take someone who you've you ransomed be, you become an affiliate for them. Yes. <laughs> that they generate a special URL that you give to two people, and when that URL is executed by two people, your content becomes unlocked, decrypted. Actually, Not the way I read it. They have to actually, pay too. Yeah, that was. I was I'm sorry. Say. Yes, if two or more people install and then pay after their stuff gets ransomed, then your stuff gets unlocked. So they encourage you to send it to as many people, people as you and can. All they need is two more people. And before you know it, you've got 50,000 people underneath you, and you're definitely going to be unlocked. Yes. I've heard this before. So it's only, slightly, only slightly worse than Herbalife. 
<laughs> Multi-level marketing of uh, ransomware. That's awesome. It's terrifying because what you're doing is you're, I mean, it, it's already ransoming off your photos, your your history of your children, and in, no one has photo books anymore. Everything is on their computer. Yeah. So all of the photos of your children are just well, gone forever this now. This is why you back up. Is, yes. There, there are ways to prevent this. Unfortunately, this is going to happen, and nobody wants to reformat and that's the that's the that's the hard thing. For us it's easy, right? For me, it's easy. It's the same thing as if my if my computer blew up today or my house caught on fire. I'd get a new computer, I'd reformat everything, and then I would restore from backups. That's easy for us. We do this for a living. My mom and dad, they don't understand that. My sister, she doesn't get that. You know, they, they have backups. They don't know they have backups, but that's because they're related to me and I set their stuff up. But there are people out there that don't and they don't know how to do it. They never even think about it. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're not social network people for that same general reason. When you're looking at who's being targeted here, it's the social network people. It's yeah. the people who don't know. And then once they get this, they think, well, what's the worst that can happen? I'll just send this link out because I need my stuff back. My finals are due right now and I have to get it done. That's exactly correct. So post the link to Facebook and now, boom, a thousand people have this link mm -hmm. and a thousand people are infected. They do the same thing. It's a really nightmarish scenario. I hope these people get busted fast because now this is not this is not a tool living in the wild. This is a theoretical or developed conceptual but piece it, of but, software. But it's being built. I mean, it's not it's not unheard of. It just hasn't been found in the wild yet. Yeah. Yeah, and it's but I mean it it when it is found in the wild, it's going to be on everyone's computer all at once. Yeah, it it's going to be just like, like heartbleed. I mean, now now that the the idea is out there, it, it doesn't seem that hard to implement. Really, it just doesn't seem like it's that difficult to do. So yeah, you just but, use a you just use a Tor private node to distribute, and then yeah. Uh, so be aware. Don't open links. Use a password manager. Back up your data. Yeah. I can't even. Don't try to avoid. encrypt things yourself. Don't try to. Yeah. Don't write your own crypto. <laughs> All Don't right. use the PHP default RSA configuration. Well, like we do all the time, about this time, when we were wrapping things up, we wish John could be here. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, shit, I don't know how to end the show now. Oh, God, he's right there. <laughs> God. Wait, 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 what did I say? What, what did I say? Now? I can't remember now. <laughs> all right, guys. Oh, I was here for like 10 minutes of the show. Sorry. <laughs> the, ghost, the ghost of John Condon was here. <laughs> All it right. was wonderful. Well, we're this is why I don't come onto the show. We need to we need to wrap it up. You guys need to stop being all chatty and girly like. Stop talking and giggling. We're wrapping things up now. All right. Well, I'll see you guys uh, tomorrow night then. See, I'm the doom and oh, gloom one, night. and you're you just bring it down. We got I'm our little to tomorrow night. End of the end of the year party, man. Uh, yeah, well, Thomas, you're there. You, you're gonna represent I'm PHP there. Ugly. Absolutely, we got to get PHP Ugly stickers. I, I got to get some PHP Ugly stickers before Laracon. We we've got to make something like that because uh, I I've promised some people some stickers that we don't have. So yeah, if we if we've got a listener out there who can hook us up with uh, a good price on stickers, we'd love we'd love to get some PHP Ugly stickers. Yeah, we'll give you a shout out. All right, guys, this has been a great show, John. It was great that you were able to join us. Happy to have you here. You guys got to stop recording so late, and my kids got to start sleeping, and, it, and I'll make it more often. Awesome. Uh, don't worry, John. Only 17 more years. You'll, you'll, it'll, oh, it'll fly by. He'll sleep before then. Uh, you never so. know. You think that. You, you think that. Your kids are still waking up five times a night? 
Come on. Uh, I did have two wake-ups last night at 2 o'clock in the morning. Ladies, ladies, stop your gossiping. We're wrapping and the show up. And my daughter broke her leg for the wrapping third time. Up. What's, with, what's, with, what's with the sexist talk? It's like kittens. It's kittens. I'm trying to hurt here. Okay, that's it. Kittens. It's the end of the show. I'm Eric Van Johnson. It's the end of the show as you know it. I'm Tom Rideout. Use a password manager. I'm John Congdon. Keep it this up. I'm user password. I'm user password manager. I'm gonna silence keep it all ugly. you guys. This is super ugly. I'm, I'm silencing all you guys. It's gonna end with you weren't me even saying, here for the whole thing. You don't know if it, it was ugly or not, John. Keep it ugly. That last part keep was ugly. ugly. That last part was super ugly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and a special thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly. Ugly.